1: That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code MOM.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on c 103 Cork. Cork Screen! And by
3: the way, I forgot to mention no death notices at this hour. Very good morning to you. Good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the last one of the week with Bernie and Sadie taking your calls at 1850 333 Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can text her WhatsApp 1850 through, uh, you can text her WhatsApp 086 2 103 103. Already spotted a text in from Anne who is wondering, is the Balabui horse races in John Manway going ahead this August are they doing it behind closed doors and uh, wonders I don't know the answer to that, but let's give it out because uh, somebody hopefully listening will know the Balabuie horse races in Dunmanway. Are they on or off? Uh, So much is off due to COVID-19 that it's not often that we get a a call in looking to find out if something is on. So Ballabui horse races, anybody knows that they're going ahead. Can you tell us, please, so we can pass that information on to Anne and to uh, others. There was... uh, what appeared to be a little bit of more positive news with regard to COVID-19 yesterday if you watched any of the press uh, briefings country uh, we appear to have again slowed down the spread of the virus and that was after a recent rise in cases and I know the rise in cases was quite low but it was still a uh, a worry they were rising. So this is a welcome trend that they're slowing down uh, again and certainly somebody who's very pleased about that was the the Acting Chief Medical Officer, Roland Glimm. He said it's probably due to more people listening, more people reading the signals and ensuring that they are following physical distancing rules and I can't wait to see in a few weeks time uh, will we continue to see a slowdown of the virus and will we be talking about the fact that more and more people are now wearing face masks. I certainly was out yesterday in a supermarket and I can hand on heart say at the time that I was in the supermarket 100% of people were wearing face masks. Every single person that was in the store that I came across had a mask on. As I was going into the store, people coming out had masks on and as I was leaving, people going in had masks uh, on and I was deliberately taking my time in the car park watching people entering and exiting the store and people getting out of their cars and it was just heartening to see people taking face masks, you know, either taking them out of their bag or taking them out of their car and putting them on before they went into the supermarket. So that's certainly and I know the legislation isn't in place, but I think the message is getting through to people. We're keeping everybody safer when you're in a confined space like a supermarket where it isn't always possible. We do our best to socially distance, but it isn't always possible to keep two metres away from people if you're inside in a supermarket or a shop or any kind of a shopping centre, so the safest way is for all of us to wear uh, masks. So I think the message certainly is getting through and we will we will see the results of it in the coming weeks. So we await with interest uh, for that. So while the message is certainly getting through um, the supermarkets, the smaller shops, I'm, I'm wondering, and I can can put my hand up and say I'm, I'm guilty of this. I went into one small shop. Uh, earlier in the week and I completely forgot my mask and I was actually in the shop, did what I needed to do. It was just in and out, you know, grabbing the milk sort of thing and back out again. And was when I came back out to the car, I said, Oh, I never put, I put my mask on, so I need to get, give myself a bit of a, a wake up call on that. So I'm wondering, because I know when we were speaking about masks, somebody straight away said, if I'm just popping in to get the newspaper, do I need to wear a mask? And I straight away said, yes, you do. You know, what they're telling us is, when you're in any kind of a shop, no matter what size, from the very large supermarkets and department stores to your small corner shop, popping in to get to the paper, going into the garage, we all just need to get used to the fact. It's a habit. It's just it's a habit thing. So I think I'm right in saying we, we seem to have it with the supermarkets. We seem to have it in our heads when we go to the supermarkets. But are people noticing in smaller shops that we're just not remembering to wear our, our, our masks? Your, your thoughts? Uh, welcomed on that. Uh, Dr. Glim. Oh sorry, then Philip Nolan was speaking. He's the professor from a Newth University and he leads the team that tracks the virus. He says a level of stability has emerged uh, this week. He also said the number of travel-related cases is now down. I do think that message is getting through to people to stay at home and and not to travel uh, overseas. He says it's still too early to draw conclusions, but he said that there is a positive note that the number of new infections has been steady since around the 14th of July. Dr. Glim said we have three priorities at the moment. He said we want to get our health services back up and running to the greatest extent possible. He said we need to protect the most vulnerable in society and then obviously he said we need to get our children back to school. So he said all of the efforts need to be focused on those three areas he says as things stand. We're absolutely on track for children to go back to school in uh, September and I, I take it The majority of parents will welcome that, will welcome hearing that the powers that be say we're on track. If everything stays as is, our children will all return to school end of August, the start of September. But I'm assuming there will be some parents and probably some teachers who will be nervous about going back to school or sending their children back to school. And only time will tell how, what way the schools are going to operate. They're certainly going to be very different to the classrooms that the children left last uh, March. But am I right in thinking, and I, and I pitched this at parents listening to us th- this morning, that the majority just want Normality for their children and normality will mean schools reopening end of August, start of September and children going back to school for the full five days. Your thoughts welcomed on that. Are you nervous about it? Are you looking forward to having the children back uh, to school? And if you're a teacher, how are you feeling about schools reopening and hearing that all as things stand We're absolutely on track for schools to reopen in September. Yesterday's briefing was also told the aim is to keep the spread of the virus at the current rate or ideally to reduce it further. We're back now talking about the R number. It's currently around 1.1% are at the very highest. It's at 1.4. Now the health chiefs would prefer if it came back to below 1 and we've been very proud of the fact that we had it below 1 for many, many weeks. It has decreased though the low number of cases everybody accepts. It does make it difficult to get a very accurate measure. Now yesterday we heard that there was a further seven new uh, cases. There were nine deaths but they were explained that the majority of those deaths had happened some time ago. I think there was actually only one. If you were just looking at deaths for the last 24 hours it would have only have been at one. But the number of new cases was seven, which was, is certainly down on the figures it has been over the last week or so. A significant number of new cases of the virus are being picked up in people who were in close contact with another infected person. Again, that's they're seeing that as, as good because Professor Nolan said it's a good signal that the test and the tracing system is detecting cases and is detecting cases early. The number of people in hospital and intensive care with the virus, that remains uh, very low uh, as well. And then Dr Glynn was asked about the reopening of pubs. Uh, Dr. Glynn said the situation in relation to August the 10th target for the next phase would have to be assessed at that stage. He says we will have to look at the trends leading up to that time. And he he actually said yesterday we need further improvement. So I think as is. He would be saying the pubs wouldn't be reopening. So if we get further improvement, we have two more weeks uh, leading up to the August the 10th uh, opening. And he did say that pubs are one of the highest risk environments. And that was one of the main reasons why the pubs did not reopen last uh, Monday. But we need more improvement. And that's why I'm wondering with the wearing of masks, we, we should get further improvement which should then allow for pubs to uh, reopen and of course all eyes yesterday were uh, were on the three main government parties because of course we were awaiting the news of the 7 billion euro July jobs stimulus package. There has been so much spoken about this and there was so much leaked out in advance of it that a lot of what was announced yesterday by Micheál Martin, the Taoiseach, the Tánaiste, Leo Varadkar and Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, we'd heard uh, most of it. The only one sort of big surprise one for me was the announcement of the reduction in the top rate of VAT. It's been cut across the board uh, for for everything from 23%, bringing it down to 21%. And of course, that 23% rate of VAT is on most goods and services. And it's going to be cut for the next uh, six months. Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for... uh, Finance said he's asking retailers now to pass on that tax cut and to reduce the prices to consumers. The VAT cut, it seems, was the last minute addition to the government's economic stimulus package. It's aimed at incentivising people to spend more money in the high street shops after months of COVID-19 uh, restrictions and the VAT reduction comes as the Central Statistics Office yesterday revealed and I don't think there was any real surprise in this but it revealed that household savings are at their highest levels since the economic crash meaning now that people do have more dispendable income to, to spend you now Taoiseach Michael Martin pledged he wouldn't increase taxes on savings in the forthcoming budget uh, he says we won't be hitting dirt or anything like that and he did say look it's very natural it's very an understandable thing that people are putting money away in a time of uncertain, uncertainty and we had the whole lockdown people weren't able to spend money and now there's a lot of money people have a lot of savings but there will be people who will be cautious saying look this we are in uncertain times so Micheál Martin using the right language there So you may have some people who will be afraid to spend some of those savings, but the whole idea of the stimulus package and particularly the reduction in the VAT is to get people out and spending money. The VAT measure was among a number of new policies and expenditure commitments aimed at kickstarting the economy and to try to create uh, jobs uh, so let's take a look at just some of the the key measures that were announced yesterday for small businesses. The restart grant scheme, this is to get businesses uh, to uh, reopen. That's gone up. It was to, from at 2,000 was the lowest amount you can get. They've increased that to 4,000 and it's up to 25,000 and that's to simply help businesses to open their doors again. There's also a waiver on the commercial rates for businesses until the end of the year. Businesses will welcome that. And then there's 2 billion low interest rate loan uh, scheme that can be drawn down. But, you know, some businesses already are up to their neck in debt. I wonder, will they be fearful about borrowing more money? If you are a first-time buyer, there was a bit of good news. The first-time buyer is to is being increased to allow people to claim 30000 on the price of a new home. The change means first-time buyers will be able to claim 10% Rather than 5% of the price of a new home, it's capped at half a million. For those who are unemployed, the pandemic unemployed payment will be reduced. Now, it'll be split into three separate rates starting from the 17th of September. But the good news on this is it gets extended and it will stay in place until next April. It will be and. 3 euro a week for those who earn less than 200 before the pandemic 250 for those who weren't between 200 and 300 and then it will be 300 for those who earned more than 300 uh, euros so they're tapering it off but it does remain in place until next April for those going on holidays one we've been talking about uh, all week people going on staycations will be able to benefit from a first of its kind tax back scheme which will run from October Right through until April of next year, it applies to hotels, it applies to food and non-alcoholic drinks and holidaymakers and diners will have to spend up to €625 and by doing that you can claim back as we mentioned yesterday 125 for a single person 250 for a uh, couple has been some criticism of that because obviously it's only aimed at those who are working and can claim it back on tax Uh, what about people who are retired what about people who are unemployed what about carers uh, who don't work they won't be able to claim, claim it back so there has been a bit of criticism there but overall I think the tourism industry is certainly welcoming it and then for also for workers the temporary wage subsidy scheme that will be repurposed now it's going to change its name it's going to become the employment wage support scheme again uh, like the pandemic unemployment payment it will remain in place until April of next year this new scheme will see businesses whose turnover has fallen below 30% Receive a state subsidy of two hundred and five euro per month per employee, and it includes seasonal workers and new employees. And then, under apprentices and trainees, employees will be paid three thousand euro for every apprentice they hire. The package also includes a commitment to invest two hundred million euro in training and education, work placement schemes. The consumers we've mentioned the VAT going down to twenty one percent. The Greens. I've got a stamp on it for sure. Uh, A cycle to work scheme allowance that increases from a thousand euro to one thousand five hundred euro. If you want to buy an electric bike and it's one thousand two hundred and fifty for all other bikes. And then on infrastructure and community investment, seventy five million for minor works. That's for primary and secondary school, hundred and thirteen million for trains and bus networks. £40 million to be invested in infrastructure, heritage, arts, tourism and the Gaeilthac. Further £20 million to the court services and Agar the Siakana. And then the Department of Housing, they have managed to secure £60 million. And that's going to be the, for the refurbishment of vacant housing and also parts will be used in investing in Irish water infrastructure. So that's just a glance over the July job stimulus package, which is worth, I think, just under €7 billion. Uh, Euro. So let's just... Only time will tell if this will do what it's intended to do and to kick start the economy. Your thoughts? Welcome, Donald. 1850 333 Sadie and Bernie taking your course. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. On the wearing of uh, face masks Patricia. not everyone uh, is wearing face coverings in shops. I was in a large well-known store last evening in Mala. I was alarmed to see the amount of people not wearing them. I spoke with a member of staff about it and I asked, was there nobody implementing it? And the response I got was, it's not our responsibility to ensure that people are wearing them. Ridiculous is all I can say. When is it going to become law for people to wear face coverings in shops etc. John in Botford. When we contacted the Department of the Shock last uh, week we were told we all should be wearing, wearing them, all customers should wear them and that staff inside in shops who can't keep two metres away should also wear them and what we were told last week was regulations with details on enforcements and penalties are in the process of being drafted and will be published when fin- finalised. So we've no update on when they will be published, when finalised, and when and when the the legal side of it comes in, whereby you can be fined if you're not wearing a mask and how much the fines are going to be. We just don't know. Jaron Cork says, Patricia, on the staycation stimulus that the government announced yesterday, there is nothing in it at all for old age pensioners. And uh, people who live with a disability, they can claim nothing back. They can have a staycation. They can go out for a meal. But unfortunately, they're not working. So therefore, they're not going to be able to claim uh, anything back. I just want to give a quick email to the programme from Miriam. Patricia, we headed to West Cork yesterday and on the main road between Cork and Inner Shannon, the hedgerows were being trimmed by, we presume, a private contractor. On our return home after a fabulous day, we noticed the trimmed hedgerows looked great, But the contractors left behind after them all of the exposed rubbish, papers, bottles, etc. Surely the council should include in the contract with the contractors... The removal of this rubbish. Is it possible to ask some of your West Cork councillors about this? In addition, if you do happen to talk to one of them, would you please ask, why are they spending our taxpayers' money on currently repainting the road markings rather than resurfacing part of the Cork to Clonacilty Road, where parts of the road are in an absolute third world condition? For example, between the viaduct and from Bandon to Bannescarthy. What a total waste of resources. Listening to your programme concerning the Council's ridiculous plan for the infamous Union Hall barrier on the quay there, one would wonder, do any of the Council members have any idea on how to go about planning and managing their budgets? Please just maintain our road surfaces and maintain them, please, to European standards. Remove rubbish generally and then consult with the local population about potential plans and projects which are envisaged by them to improve and benefit our environment. Thanking you. And that's from uh, Miriam. I think on the, the rubbish left in the hedgerows, that's a huge, huge issue. You talk to anyone who works with any of the Tidy Towns groups and only for the Tidy Towns groups, those... Road verges would be even worse, but it does become a big problem you when the when the hedgerows are cut, then you do see the amount of rubbish that 's been dumped thrown either by people are walking or in the main been somebody rolling down the window of the car can never understand the logic of it and somebody just tossing it out the window and I know and I don't know if it's as bad now certainly during lockdown when people were going out for their walks we were getting a lot of calls in from people who were noticing the plastic gloves the disposable gloves that people are wearing many of the shops are handing them out free and we were also hearing of the disposable masks which is a really stupid thing to do because they could just be alive with the the virus Uh, how do we get it through to people to bring your rubbish home Anyway, I digress. Miriam, we're getting on to the council just to try to find out particularly your point about if it is a private contractor is sent out to cut, cut the hedgerows is it part of their contract and the deal that they signed that they'll pick up the rubbish as well. 1850 333 103. Record today on C103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
3: 086 103, 103. And just to let people know in the skull area, Anne was on to us to say that there was no water in skull and valley to hob this morning. And could we check out what was going on? So we've checked in with Irish Water and it seems unfortunately there is a burst water main in skull. And they are working on having their water restored, but no water at the moment in Skull and Bally Dahab. 1850-333103. Now, Irish travel insurance provider, GetCover.ie called this week for clarification from the government on conflicting statements regarding travel advice for Green List countries. To get the latest on this story, I'm joined by David Hughes, who's operations director with getcover.ie. Good morning to you, David. Good
4: morning, Patricia. So Good to be
3: here. Uh, now uh, So what now is the travel advice for the 15 countries on the green list? Okay, so
4: we've had finally got some clarification from the government and what they've actually said is that they're advising against all or all but essential travel anywhere except for the the green listed countries. So what they're saying is for the green listed countries that advice no longer applies and that you're safe to travel to those countries as long as you take normal precautions.
3: So does that now Which mean you, that travellers will be covered by their travel insurance?
4: On, for those 15 countries, because the, the rate of COVID, uh, of the COVID disease in those countries is either the same or it's lower than in Ireland. Um, so I suppose if you think about it this way, in, in some of those countries like the likes of Greenland, there's literally no cases of COVID. In Gibraltar, there's two. Uh, you know, San Marino, there's one. Now, bear in mind they've, they've got much lower populations mm. but the actual chances of catching Covid there are lower than actually if you're in Ireland. So it's much more about uh, observing social distancing, wearing your face mask and stuff like that as opposed to going to any of those countries.
3: And um, if, if God forbid uh, David you did get diagnosed with Covid-19 while, while you're away would your travel insurance still cover you for Covid related illness?
4: Yeah so so under, under our policy under the get cover policy, uh, there is cover there for uh, for situations where somebody gets a positive diagnosis of, of COVID and either has to cancel their trip as a result of that or indeed if they're actually away and they contract COVID-19 and are diagnosed and their their kind of medical expenses and what have you would be supported by, by their travel insurance
3: policy. Okay, now the government tell us that they'll update the list uh, every two weeks what happens Correct. if you're away on a trip and the country gets delisted?
4: Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a funny one there. But uh, I suppose the, the the issue here is that if the DFA issued the advice before you travel, obviously you don't travel if they're saying don't go there. If you're already over there, you're. you're Travel insurance still operates, and you 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 continue. If the DFA say get home as quickly as possible, the insurance company would expect you to make every effort to get back to the country, uh, get back to Ireland. So uh, there would be an onus on on people and, and uh, a responsibility on people that they keep an eye. On, on the government advice because mm-hmm. that can change fairly, albeit that they're changing it every two weeks T- tonight something could happen in one of those green listed countries where they might just say look it's, it's on the rise again so let's, let's, uh, it's off let's the restrict list. that
3: one It's off yes. the list and of course it's very possible that if you go away on holidays to one of those 15 countries and it does for whatever reason get delisted when you come back home you're going to have to do the two weeks self-isolation yeah,
4: That's possible but it's un, like with these countries, the, the actual rate of COVID is is very low. Um, you know, if you take Italy, it's it's virtually identical to Ireland. It's very very similar. So you've got one in five thousand people have COVID in, in in Italy. The same here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, it's essentially the same. So in terms of going to Italy, they, and they have the, they're getting things under control in all these countries. They're not just being delisted because they've got lower COVID rates. They're being delisted because they have the disease under control, relatively speaking.
3: Okay, I think the big talking point, David, when the list was announced, uh, was what happens if you need to transit to another country yes. to get there. I mean, yes. Monaco was one of the obvious ones. Uh, they don't yes. ha- have, have have an airport. I've had the that's pleasure correct. of been to Monaco on holidays, yes. and I always had to fly to Nice to get that's to correct. get to Monaco. You have got to go through France.
4: Yes, that's correct. So, so it's a bit bizarre, and still, we still kind of need a little bit of clarification on that element of things, uh, because. If you're travelling through France, the teacher has said publicly that, look, of course, you'll be covered in that situation. But that needs to be reflected in the advice on the DFA website or, or, or somewhere that people can grab hold of, you know. Um, so it, that that particular element of things still hasn't been clarified.
3: OK, so we, we, wait, we yeah, it, it, it absolutely, unless you've got a helicopter, because they've got a helicopter pad seemingly in Monaco.
4: Yes, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be handy, but I, I don't think there's many, many uh, opportunities for Irish people there, I'm afraid.
3: OK, and then, but David, lots of questions. What about the countries that are not on, on the green green list? Yeah, so what, so what happens with if people... Because we, we do know and we have heard of people who are saying, well, I've got my holiday booked, I'm still going. Yeah. What's the advice from the travel insurance point of view?
4: Well, the advice is this. Follow the DFA advice because if the government are saying do not travel to those locations or avoid all but essential travel to those locations, all travel insurance policies have have a a general exclusion on the policy saying that no travel insurance will operate if you travel to a country where the Department of Foreign Affairs has issued an instruction saying avoid all travel or all but essential travel. Interestingly enough, we're getting quite a few calls from people at the moment who are looking to go to Portugal, of all places. Uh, And I think that probably happened because at one stage, Portugal the, the rate was going down there, mm-hmm. and people felt that was going to be one of the countries, one of the first countries to open. But that rate has gone back up again now, so it's not really a safe place to go. It's up to people to make the decision. If you think about it, the DFI, DFA is providing advice. That's all it is. It's just saying we're advising you not to go to these places. They're not saying you can't go. Nobody's going to stop people getting on a plane. Um, but the issue is. You're, you certainly won 't have any travel insurance the The problem with going to these countries is obviously you're at a much higher uh, uh, um, possibility of getting catching the disease, bringing it home um so really it's just it's just not advised for those particular yeah. countries really you're better off if if you're if you can't travel to one of the green listed countries to look at a staycation to look at a staycation now we're, we're our own business we have a, a business called staycationcover.ie so we're selling quite a lot to people who are staying in ireland and and uh you know renting cottages or are or, or, or staying in resorts around the country
3: so, so people take out travel insurance for a holiday here in ireland yeah, well, it's a, it's kind College of a new, it's a,
4: it's a, kind of a new, um, innovation from, from ourselves and our sister company, Accident The general. Basically, uh, it covers people for cancellation or curtailment. Uh, there's a bit of COVID cover in there as well for, for hospitalizations and there's medical repatriation expenses. If you're, God forbid, something happens to somebody and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, it, in Galway, for example, and they end up in a hospital and they need to be, uh, they need an ambulance to get them home after their stay in the hospital. There's cover for that. It covers gadgets, it covers bicycles. Um, so it's kind of a general mm. uh, kind of travel product. For
3: you the know, and, and like, w- w- we think of travel insurance, we think of something going wrong when you're overseas, but of course yeah. you can be on holiday here in Ireland and, 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 and yeah. something and something can go wrong as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's expensive to buy a holiday here in Ireland, and if you've booked a holiday and you've paid, you've paid your deposit, even and a few days beforehand something happens mm. you know mm. you know it can be an expensive yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, cost Abs- you
3: know? uh, absolutely I don't know if you can answer this or not but uh, a listener is wondering why was the Canary Islands uh, very disappointed the Canary Islands were not included uh, in the countries the the, the Green List because the Canary yeah, Islands had, they've had very low numbers but they yeah. seem to come in under Spain they don't come they? in
4: under Spain you see
3: yeah.
4: I suppose it's a bit unfortunate for them really in that because they come in un- under the umbrella of Spain yeah, that's what that's the advice on on the Department of Foreign Affairs. Otherwise, if they started saying, you know, don't go to this country except for this little bit and this little bit, when when this all started, they were picking little bits of Italy, saying, don't go to these mm. parts of Italy. It just becomes too much then. So they've just said, look, Spain is a no-go area. Yeah, yeah. The portion for that location, but
3: yeah, and I say every two weeks it's to change. So we, so we will yep. wait and see. Listen, uh, David, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the program this morning.
4: Oh, appreciate
5: it.
3: Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye-bye. You that God. is Bye-bye. Uh, David Hughes, who is the Operations Director with GetCover.ie. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C 103. Call Patricia with your
0: comment. 1850 333
3: 103. Now last weekend, because it was lovely fine weather, many families spent time having fun at the beach but for a Castle Lines family a day at the beach took on a new me- meaning thanks to the provision of a beach wheelchair at Warren Beach Ger O'Dea is dad to nine-year-old Lily and she joins me with uh, the details Good morning to you, Jer. Good morning Patricia uh, And how are you? Uh, I'm very well and, um, and thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us I suppose firstly can you tell us a little bit about Lily her condition and, uh, and how her condition affects her mobility
6: yeah, absolutely. Lily was was born, actually, this day nine years ago. So oh, she, it's her birthday? Having her big birthday. Oh, happy years.
3: birthday, Lily. <laughs>
6: um, and I suppose, look, as the months went by, we kind of noticed that she wasn't meeting the, um, the usual milestones that you would expect for her age. Um, and to cut a long story short, she went through the whole process of, um, you know, the early intervention team with Cope Foundation, who were absolutely brilliant to deal with. And eventually referred on to meet Professor Green, who deals with genetics, um, in the children's hospital in Dublin. Um after it must have taken nearly two years to get her diagnosed, but she was diagnosed with an ultra rare condition known as Pitt Hopkins syndrome. Um and what that means for Lily in particular is that um she has a general global developmental delay. So she can't, she can't walk, um, she can't talk. We generally have to feed her her food, um, change her and things like that. Now, on, on the other side of that, Pitt Hopkins um, is, is kind of known as the Peter Pan syndrome, basically because they're, they're forever young and always smiling. Yeah. And and that would describe Lily to a She is always smiling um, and, you know, she's happy. Happy out um, and that's it, and that's the
3: main that's the main thing that is the main oh, thing
6: absolutely and, and from a medical perspective you know thankfully um no major issues there either which which people with her condition can have various uh, medical issues so i suppose um mobility is is the biggest thing for us um you know her wheelchair is 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 a, a great piece of kit that she has um but by their nature they have a very skinny Uh, wheels similar to a racing bicycle Um, and the reason being it just makes it easier to push it has less contact with the roads and like you can literally, you could walk for miles with her sitting in it But a trip to the beach over
3: sand? A trip to the beach
6: over sand just never happens can't happen, Um, the wheels will sink instantly um, into the, especially the soft sand that you'd find obviously at the access points to all the beaches um, and even going down onto the hard sands uh, where the tide has gone out, it can still cause cause a few problems for it us.
3: Keeps getting stuck. Keeps getting it stuck. Does. And obviously, uh, when Lily was younger, you could carry her down, and she'd be in a little buggy, and it would be fine. But as she's getting older, it just means going to the beach is an impossibility.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's it's something you just avoid. you know, well, up until now, I suppose for us, because like she is, she's nine. She, you know, any nine-year-old is heavy. Um, she tends to flap her hands quite a lot. She could kind of maybe throw herself slightly forward and all of that could, you know, throw your balance off going down onto the beach um, and, you know, we could end up underground. or something. I
3: rover. know, I know. So, t- um, so describe this beach wheelchair.
6: The best way to describe the beach wheelchair, Patricia, is a moon buggy. Um a <laughs> good You know, description. That, that's it. I mean, it, it's like the rover or whatever it is called, you know, that, that, that goes across Mars and across the moon. There's huge, huge, wide and big wheels on it, uh, front and back. Um, It just glides across the sand, whether it's soft sand or hard sand. Um, In fact, over the weekend, or over the week on, we were down there again for another go, and there was a lady using it just ahead of us with, um, you know, an adult, um, I would presume, I'm going to presume it's her son, but an adult person in the wheelchair. And even still with that, she was able to glide over the sand with it and, you know, it just... Op- it's opening up the beaches, you know, to, to and, a dog. And
3: you can take it into the water. I saw you, the little video clip that you put up on, on Twitter. It can go into the sea. It can,
6: yeah, yeah. It, it can. You can push it out into the waves. Um, it's got all mesh panels on it so it loads the water in, which was great because Lily was able to sit there and splash her toes in the water without ever getting out of it. Um, her little sister, Katie, she's six, six and a half. I have to turn the half or I'll okay. get in trouble. Um, and like she, the, the joy she got out of it even, just to be able to go off at the waves with her sister. Um, and again, she would, amazing. would
3: she have never been able to have done that before? Not, not in the way that, she, that they're able to do it
6: with the wheelchair because it would always involve one of us having to hold Lily now, she she has good strength in that we can she can stand if we hold her, but she just doesn't have any balance to keep her standing. So while she would have been able to go into the water before, it would have been a physical task for us to lift her down to the water and to hold on to her. But with the wheelchair, Katie can kind of, we can stand back, and Katie can play with her herself. And yours, they like can be, girls yeah,
3: they can be two normal little sisters. And how often do you see that at the beach? Six-year-old and a nine-year-old splashing away and in their own little world and playing away at the water's edge. It's just such a normal thing for a family trip to the beach. Oh, absolutely,
6: and you know, both of them benefit, I, and not to mention the teary-eyed dad standing under that yeah.
3: watching it. <laughs> That's terrific. Um, it's it's terrific. How also, did you also, find out about it, Jer?
6: Part of this must have been on one of the social media type of outlets. Um, we're always kind of looking for, for something, you know. We do, I do a bit of running with Lily, the um, likes sort of the bits of marathons and five ks and things. So it, chances are, I stumbled on it by complete accident. Um, it's not really advertised anywhere. In fact, anybody I've spoken to about it, it was the first they've ever heard of it.
3: And it's, there, so it's, it's I believe it's, it's there three years. I believe so. Yeah, yeah it, was, I it, was a new, so. it was a new one on me as well. And it's an initiative, by the way, let's give credit where it's due, to Cork County Council. Absolutely.
6: Absolute credit to them. Um, it, it does seem to be a little hidden gem of West Cork. Yeah. Far, I, I may have just burst that
3: bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea is you, you book a time slot in advance. So you don't want disappointed families turning up and the wheelchairs already in use.
6: There's two mobile phone numbers um, on the Cork Sports Partnership um, website. I mean, you literally type in Beach Wheelchair Cork, it'll bring it up straight away. Um, it'll tell you the time it's available from and to. And you just ring the number, and the numbers are actually for the local people who run the pitch and put club that adjoins the beach. Um, they'll book in your slot, you just go up and sign um, sign a little document and hand that document to the lifeguard who will give you the wheelchair. And you know the the lifeguards themselves are absolutely brilliant um they make sure the key, that the chair is completely sanitized, and they would give you any assistance that you need uh you know the, the absolute everything you just the, there are no faults with it
3: and the cost?
6: Um, absolutely free completely
3: free
6: yeah um and i mean it's it's a huge it's a huge thing for for anybody with a disability. Um, and and as you were saying, where credit is due, I mean, I do know that uh, the Disabled Federation of Ireland have been working with Cork County Council, um, and that's why they chose the Warren Beach in the first place. Um, and I would just say, look, it is, it's is—it's completely positive. It's a hugely positive story, and, you know, um, credit, absolute credit to Cork County Council. But what I would say is that, you know, we need we do need better access to our beach. Maybe another few of these chairs, mm. um, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people living, let's say, in, in the East Cork area. It's a fair journey to get to the Warren and yeah. use
3: the chair.
6: And, and particularly this
3: year when everyone's been told to staycation and we, you know, we're going to see more families heading to the beach. And why, just because a family has a child in a wheelchair, you know, why shouldn't they have their day at the beach the same as everybody else?
6: Absolutely, and and a friend of mine um, posted a picture of her daughter, who's also a wheelchair, a little bit older than Lily. Uh, I'm going to hazard a guess at maybe 10 or 11 years old, or possibly more. Um, And they had a picture of her on Gary Vaux Beach, sitting on a fold-out camp chair that they place into the water, and then they have to assist her down to the water and lift her into the chair so that she can experience the waves. Um, There's no reason why she shouldn't be able to get into one of these wheelchairs in East Cork as well as West Cork. um, Mm. You have uh, approximately eight of them being used in Wexford. So great initiative there and great support from the Wexford councils down there. So, I mean, what people need to do now is to um, maybe just contact their local TDs and local representatives, maybe. And I don't want to make this big... About a big campaign because I know, I know, but I mean, we don't need positive.
3: we don't need that many of them, but we just need them dotted and and, and 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 a nice number of them dotted all along the coastline. So no matter what beach you go to, there will be some beach near you where there will be one of these beach yeah, beaches. Absolutely, and, yeah. and
6: look, I mean, the blue flag award is a big thing for the council now for for the beaches, and and as you said, even more so. now I say with people for staycations and things. now I, I suppose you have to understand too that. There needs to be some sort of governance over these chairs and they can't just put them everywhere. It will have to be somewhere where the lifeguard's in charge of it and things like that. But I'm pretty sure it's something we they could work on. Yeah. You know. yeah.
3: And listen, um, how is Lily doing pretty during the pandemic? I mean, she would have been out of school since since March, I'm assuming.
6: Yeah, she was. And she'd be a good creature of habit, um, and big for her routine and things like that. Um but I have to say again, it's Cope Foundation. The school she's with St Paul's School, they're absolutely brilliant. They had video conference calls almost every day for them to kind of keep in touch. Um, but I suppose you can't be getting out into the fresh air, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and there's only so many walks around the same park that you can do. Whereas now, you know, at the beach is just it's a whole new um, adventure for them both. You know,
3: it's brilliant. It's it's brilliant, and and Casey really enjoyed her day out as well.
6: Oh, Katie loved this. Yeah, Did she's, she's constantly talking about us. Uh, the you know about being able to to, to go jumping in the waves with her sister. You Fantastic!
3: Know. And what's the plan for the for the the ninth birthday today? Or will there be a bit of? Will there be a cake? Oh, there
6: definitely be plenty of <laughs> cake. Yeah, but uh, um, well done. I suppose the weather now is the only thing as to whether we we go anywhere, but. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll celebrate as well much way that we can i anyway.
3: and, and i can't i can't finish up without mentioning you work with the national ambulance service so you're you're busy as always
6: yeah yeah i do um i i work uh, i work with the national ambulance service with recruit engagement at the moment um and it is it's it's a busy job now for everybody i mean anybody in the front line now are doing incredible work um all our colleagues out there um and you know they, I, they too have families at home, you know, and um, we're just hoping that that everybody will stick to the guidelines now and, you know, and try and keep this horrible uh, illness away from us. And, and even on that, what I will say is, um, I, down in the Warren, I know there was a lot of social media coverage of the West Cork beaches and
3: traffic and the Particularly Easter last and, weekend.
6: Particularly last weekend, yeah. Yeah. Yeah what I will say again in terms of the Warren and I have no connection to the Warren (laughs) It's not like I tried to promote the place um, because I probably have trouble booking the wheelchair now after this you know but um, families on the beach the social distancing was absolutely outstanding Brilliant Um, Everybody did keep away from each other and you know there are a number of vendors there selling uh, coffees and ice cream and pancakes and things like that and even at that you know, the queues were all nicely spaced apart. That's
0: you know, brilliant to hear. Absolutely that's,
6: excellent. That's brilliant. It's just, to hear. Also important to mention as well that there is a full um, disability accessible toilet um, as part of the main toilet block in the Warren as well,
3: which you don't get um, at many beaches for sure. You
6: don't, uh, and that it's locked. So I in my wisdom, I I didn't go and ask but I'm going to assume that uh, the lifeguard
3: will have the key. Absolutely. Ger, listen, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Uh, Once again, happy birthday to uh, to Lily and and hi to her lovely sister Katie and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. That's great, thank Good you Good morning to you, uh, bye bye. Uh, Gerardy, lovely man. Dad, to little nine-year-old. He didn't realise it was Lily's birthday uh, today, but check that out, that beach uh, wheelchair in the Warren. It would be great if we could get more of those wheelchairs and open up the beach and make it accessible two families that have somebody in a wheelchair, chair. 1850 333 103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls. Do you want to share something with us? We'd love to hear from you. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And we've reports coming in of uh, four Cork City fire units are currently at the scene of an incident at the Kinsale Road Roundabout. The Cork City fire brigade are urging motorists to use caution in the area as they deal with it. Um, it is, let me see if I can give you more detail of exactly where it is. It's um, the instance on the Kinsale Road roundabout and it is in particularly affecting traffic heading on to the N40 eastbound. For the best news at the moment, while Cork City Fire Service are dealing with that is to avoid the area, please. That's the Kinsale Road uh, roundabout. 1850 333 Let me go to some of your texts and calls coming into the programme this morning this is Morning Patricia another business has closed this time it's Kitty's Cattery it's in uh, Bantry I know at this time with Covid a lot of people won't be going away but there will be a time when people will have to go away be it for a wedding or maybe a funeral and they will they will want to put their pet into boarding Catteries or kennels there are very few as it is in West Cork as I heard you saying to the Garda yesterday on your programme a pet is like a family member so it's another sad day for people's pets and for the people themselves that care for their animals I know you're good at raising issues that concern your listeners this I am sure will and maybe ask for more catteries and kennels to get planning permission my mother has a saying that as one door closes another uh, opens thanking you and that's uh, from uh, Heidi I, I always hate to hear of any businesses uh, closing So, and probably, and people who would have used that cattery will be very disappointed uh, to hear that they've made the decision to uh, close but and even though we had the July stimulus package and we're all keeping our fingers crossed that everything that was announced yesterday will do what it's expected to do and a lot of the focus and a lot of the tension has gone on small businesses and trying to get small businesses that have closed to reopen their doors and failing that, to get new businesses to start up and people who have lost their jobs to get them uh, redeployed and all we can do is hope that what was put in place yesterday, we've never seen an economic stimulus package like it, I don't think I've ever uh, reported on one, a a stimulus package that was £7 uh, Euro. So fingers crossed we can get businesses up and running, but maybe, as Heidi said, it might be a suggestion for others. Could there be openings for more catteries and more uh, kennels? Because he, he, Heidi is right, people might be going away at the moment, but there will be a time where people will need to put a much loved pet into into boarding facilities while they head away. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Still getting a lot of commentary about masks and the wearing of uh, masks. Morning, Patricia. Can you please tell me do we are do we have to wear face masks in all shops? I've been in a petrol station in Bandon the last two mornings. And there wasn't any one of the shoppers wearing them, not even the workers signed a worried list. And where we're all being told that everybody should wear face masks in shops and in shopping uh, centres right across the country, we're also being told that retail staff who can't stay um, more than two metres away or are not behind a, ba- a partition uh, must always also wear them. The enforcement side of it isn't in and I think that's possibly why some people are just opting not to wear the face masks. But all I will say to... I was having a discussion last night with a, a friend of mine who was raising the same issue. She was very annoyed that uh, she was out and about yesterday and some places she went into people were wearing their masks and others were not. And, you know, and all we can do is look after ourselves and let everybody else worry about them, themselves. And And also, can I just say... Now, it's different when you go into a shop and and nobody has face masks on. That's just stupidity. And maybe it's just people getting used to the fact of trying to remember to have your mask with you at all times and all of that. Because certainly I do think in the larger supermarkets, certainly anything I've noticed this week, people are wearing their masks. Maybe it's just going to take time for everyone to remember to bring their masks uh, with them legislation will be put in place and people will be fined. Maybe for some people, they won't put on the mask until they're under threat or risk of being fined. But for the rest of us, the scientific evidence is there that will keep everybody safe if we all wear masks. So we'll all do our own bit and all wear our own masks. But also... Be careful when we're jumping to conclusions when you see somebody who's not wearing a a mask. There can be a variety of reasons why somebody can't wear one. I mean, we spoke yesterday with the Asthma Society. They say there isn't carte blanche just because you've got asthma, you shouldn't wear a mask. You should still wear your mask. But they did accept that there will be a small cohort of people who have very severe breathing issues. And for uh, from a medical point of view can't wear a mask. So just be careful when we're all great at pointing the finger of blame at people and criticising and tattooing while somebody isn't wearing a mask. There could be a reason why a particular person can't wear one. But are we, are we told to wear masks? Yes, absolutely we are. And then this filled my heart with joy to read this. To say I was in a local shop in Ballyclaw and customers, all of them, were wearing masks. There was also a box of masks on the counter which I thought was a very very good. Very good at the shop. Well done. Hold on to that. If anybody is the name of that, a local shop in Ballyclaw. Actually providing masks, which is really good for the people who will go in. There will be people going into the shop who will forget them. And I think, because we're still at the very early stages of remembering to bring the masks uh, with us and it will become habit. It's I keep liking it to, when you go to do your big shop at the supermarket, you wouldn't dare go in without bringing your shopping bags with you because you're not going to because it will cost you to buy all of the plastic bags instead. And that took us a while to get used to. How many times did you walk into the supermarket with your trolley and went, oh, God, let the bags in the car and you used to go back out? Or worse, you let the bags at home. But when you bought plastic, when you ended up paying for plastic bags a few times, we soon got into the habit. There's very few people now you will see walk into a supermarket to do a full trolley shop without their bags, other shopping bags, their reusable the shopping bags. So I think it's going to become the same uh, with the masks as well. Hi, Patricia says, Jim. I walked five minutes to the shop and I realised when I got to the shop I'd left my mask in the van but I said I won't go in so I walked back again um, and got got the mask. It is hard to get used to wearing them but it looks like it'll be the norm for a while, maybe even forever. I've noticed a few shop workers who are not wearing masks though and that is disappointing. Now whether the shop owners and the shop workers themselves are waiting for it to become mandatory whereby they could be fined and Health and Safety Authority will be going around and there'll be inspections uh, done on uh, businesses because the the rules and the regulations uh, will state when it's in law. But the Taoiseach last week said that shop people working in shops must wear them unless they're in behind a barrier a lot lots of places now have the partitions in in place and if they can stay two meters away from customers if they can stay two meters away from customers then they are expected uh, to be wearing them but you're right Jim it will just it's just going to take us time it's one of those things it will take time but we will all get used to it it's like picking up the phone you wouldn't go anywhere without your mobile phone we'll get to the stage where you won't go anywhere without your mask and you're right when you're saying they'll be with us they'll become the norm and they'll be with us for a long time uh, they certainly will uh, michael's on about America, the USA has just exceeded 4 million confirmed cases of COVID-19, 144,000 plus deaths. Remember, it took 99 days to reach in America to reach 1 million and it took just 15 days for them to go from 3 million cases to 4 million cases. It's just staggering. But it sends the message home to us here in Ireland, how rapid this disease can spread if we move too fast Dr Anthony Fauci said I hope this is about America we can get back to normal in a year and that's putting faith in in getting a successful vaccine hopefully Patricia that a vaccine will be found but remember vaccines don't save lives it's vaccinations that saves lives there's a massive step between getting a vaccine ready and getting it into the arms of people that is a long way off how right you are Michael also wants to comment on the stimulus package from yesterday he said well I very much welcome you stimulus package. I don't think it went far enough compared to what was announced in the United Kingdom. In the UK and in Northern Northern Ireland, VAT was reduced from 20% down to 5%. We have reduced from 23% to 21 This is really going to hurt the border counties in the south. The grant assistance increased to a maximum of 25k for businesses, but we have to see the detail. The wage assistance is the big one, but until we see the detail later today, we really cannot comment. As you know, the devil is in the detail by God. How right you are. Thank you for that, uh, Michael. Hi, Patricia. Regarding the pubs, And what came out yesterday from Dr. Ronan Glynn when he was asked about the pubs yesterday and will the pubs open on the 10th of uh, August. He said pubs are one of the highest risk environments. And he said, we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to assess the situation. Take a look at the numbers. So they'll track the numbers between now and the 10th of August and then they will make the decision in the days leading up to the 10th of August if they think we have a control on the virus. So there's no guarantee. I think that's the one thing Ronan Glynn was saying yesterday. No guarantee that the pubs uh, will reopen because they gave the list of the three priorities, the three main things that Neffert and the government want to get back on track. They, these are their priorities. They want our healthcare services, our hospitals, they want them all back up and running to the greatest extent possible. They also say they want to protect the most vulnerable in our societies and they say we need to get our children back to school. They didn't mention pubs as one of the priorities. But this listener uh, says, OK, whatever about the pubs we opening on the 10th of August. This listener says, what about beaches last week and weekend when we had that fine weather? Crowds of people packed in together um, and that was a risk. Where is the cop on there? Yeah. OK, some of the beaches were crowded, but certainly any of the reports I heard from beaches and only Jer who was talking to us, Juror D, talking to us in the last hour when he was down in the Warren with that wonderful beach wheelchair, for his little girl, he was saying, and it was lovely weather, and there was a lot of people down in the war, and he said everybody was spread out i mean that 's the one thing about our beaches, particularly our beaches in in West Cork and indeed in some of the ones in East Cork. you know we have lovely, long, wide beaches, so you can get a large number of people once you can find a parking space, but you can get a large number of people, and everybody just needs to spread out and again it 's up to all of us as individuals and responsibility, we all take personal responsibility, and if you go to a beach and it is too crowded and you're feeling uncomfortable and you feel you can't socially distance from somebody then the thing it's up to all of us as individuals to say okay I'm going to go and see if I can find uh, another beach club close by, or go somewhere else and leave your beach day to another day. 1850 103 On the July stimulus package, when I mentioned it at the top of the programme, I was talking about the people who are unemployed at the moment and the pandemic unemployment payment. Uh, it's going to be extended until next April. That was prompted a listener from West Cork to say, Patricia, I lost my job because I refused to work without proper PPE gear I was a cleaner in a HSC hospital I'm now on a tiny job seekers payment of 130 euro a week it's a disgrace that everybody else is getting so much more and to be extending the payment until next April it is beyond words the government I feel are a disgrace and that's sent from an upset poor unemployed person from West Cork I don't know what payment you're on that you're only getting 130 euro uh, a week and dis disappointed to hear that you felt that you weren't getting the proper PPE, so therefore you felt you had to, you had to leave your job. Hopefully, with this July stimulus packages, package that's out, there will be other jobs, and maybe you can go into a different line of work, maybe you can retrain. They're talking about apprenticeships uh, and uh, all of that. But I think for the majority of people who lost their jobs, I think they will be delighted to hear that the unemployment payment has been extended to April, even though they are reducing their re- they're reducing. It is being tapered off. It is being reduced from the 17th of uh, September. It will go down. Now can anybody offer advice to Tony in Cork who has contacted us some we are talking about this in the office there when knew, during News at 11. I can't think uh, of, any, of any direction I can point to Tony in. He says, I'm cracking up. A friend of mine sent me a CD in the post. He put my name and address uh, on it. And this CD is of huge sentimental value to me. Unfortunately, the package has not arrived. I've got onto on post and they are not, they're giving me nothing but excuses and they don't seem to realise how important this CD is to me and they're not of any help to me. It's it's an item literally that's gone missing in the uh, post. I don't know what I, I and I can't even think of what on post can do. I mean, I straight away think the it was posted, by the way, from Switzerland you 've no way of knowing Tony, if it made it out of Switzerland, did the package go missing in Switzerland? Has did it never even leave the country? did it get lost somewhere in transit? because in the main on post are great about delivering items. The only thing I can speak about from a personal point of view, I sent a package to Australia which by the way you can't send packages you still can't send packages to Australia at the moment it was Christmas a couple of years ago and there was a package going out to my young nephew and you know the excitement of the package arriving in the post from, from Ireland and all of that and so he was waiting every day for the package to arrive because it let him know on FaceTime the package was coming but the package never arrived and other packages that were sent by other family members they all turned up and my one went went missing and um, I mentioned it to my own post office and they were saying oh you're not know, really disappointing you you've no way I had it registered it was expensive enough to send it to australia without registering it so i kind of gave up the ghost on it and it was lost and i would say it was march it was certainly after st patrick's day the package got returned to me I still can't work out why or how or what happened to it, but it ended up and there was markings on it that it did land in Australia and somewhere along the line, it ended up back with me in a Cork. And it was funny because I opened up the package and there was, there was Christmas pyjamas in it <laughs> that he'd grown out of by the, by the time I got to send it back to him. But anyway, um, but it came back to me. So the reason that I mentioned that, Tony, is don't give up hope. The package could still arrive to you or it could arrive back to whoever sent it from Switzerland. But listen, we call out your text and see has anybody else had had a problem with the package that didn't arrive and of course it wasn't registered if it's, you do have some uh, sense that it'll arrive and, and you have some follow-up if it's registered but if it's not registered then it's just at the the luck and behest that it will arrive and in the majority of cases packages do turn up on time and in the condition that they left the original country from. If anybody has advice for Tony uh, he feels he's not getting anywhere with on post on this package that is that was sent from Aust- Switzerland but has not arrived. And hi, can you give a mention to a drive-in bingo that is taking place? These are proving really popular. This one is in Aragland Community Field next Sunday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the event is being organised by Araglen Hall committee and they will comply with all of the COVID-19 uh, guidelines. They are getting so, so popular and we're having great reports back from people that went to any of the drive-in bingos and they are a great bit of fun and for people who are, have really, really missed their bingo since lockdown, since last uh, March it's just fantastic for them and I'm even hearing that people who never went to bingo before are seeing it as an afternoon or an evening out. So Aragland Community Field next Sunday at 3 o'clock if you'd like to go for a drive-in bingo. See 103 jobs Childbinder uh, wanted for after school now it'll be from half past two until five o'clock it's Monday to Friday and it'll be in the Charleville area Home Instead Senior Care they're looking for caregivers in the Black Rock Mahon, Toker, and Greater Cork City areas while a plaster is wanted in the Carrigaline area. And morning and afternoon club leader is required for the Skull Preschool. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Record today on C103
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086
3: 103 103 And just some texts in reacting to Tony from the city who is, has a package that was sent from Switzerland it has this CD of sentimental value and it's gone missing and he's really upset and he said he's getting nowhere with on post A couple of people have been on uh, to say to uh, Tony it could arrive yet give it a chance uh, A card took three weeks to arrive in in London when it was posted from here lately said a listener and Molly says tell Tony in the city not to worry. I ordered a birthday present for my husband from Switzerland. I ordered it in March for his birthday in May and it arrived last Friday says Molly. Yeah there is an issue with international post is taking longer. Hadn't thought about that when I was dealing with Tony's query early so Tony don't panic yet your CD might yet arrive and Ed, please let us know how you get on. 1850 now, the treatment of shop workers by Debenhams has prompted TDs to push for state intervention so that the former staff can get a fair redundancy package. The issue was raised in the Dáil by members of Solidarity People Before When you're ready to pop the question,
0: the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
3: and joining me uh, with more details of the party's Cork TD Mick Barry. Good morning to you Mick. Hi Patricia. Uh, you, you're welcome. Now what role do you believe the government can play in forcing a company like Debenhams to look after their staff when it comes to redundancy?
5: Government can do two things. Um, first of all, Debenhams' 11-hour shops were closed uh, by a decision made um, by a consortium of banks And one of those banks is Bank of Ireland. Uh, The state has a 14% share in Bank of Ireland. So the state has responsibility for what happened, some responsibility, but it also has some leverage uh, in addressing uh, the situation now. So we think that the state should use its stake in Bank of Ireland to get Bank of Ireland to put the consortium under pressure to say that whatever about the jobs, that at the very bare minimum these workers should be paid a decent redundancy package which would be more than the 2 weeks statutory minimum which should be a minimum of four weeks per year of service. The second thing that the state can do, I think that should be the first option, uh, make the company pay. Don't let them walk away from this. But if they don't succeed in getting the company to pay, the government itself uh, would be owed money by the liquidation process The state would be owed money by the liquidation process. That would be uh, the revenue commissioners, the Department of Social Protection and councils through unpaid rates or rates that are owing. And the state should say, look, in this case, we're going to forego our slice of the pie and we will put the necessary monies towards ensuring a decent package for these workers.
3: Would they not set a precedent, though, if they do that? They could set a
5: precedent, but there are ways, uh, and they're quite complex in terms of the legalities of it, but um, uh, the workers would have legal advice which would indicate that there are ways in which it could be done that would not necessarily set uh, a precedent where there's a will, there's a way here.
3: And the workers in Debenhams, uh, Mick, I think everybody's heart uh, goes out to them. They've been protesting now for 100 days. I mean, it is tough enough uh, to lose your job but to lose your job during a pandemic. Um, th- they really have been having a tough time of it, haven't they?
5: They certainly have. Um, I mean, you're looking at a workforce of about 1,400.
3: Is it as many as that?
5: It is, yes. Um Uh, There's concession staff, of course, who work in the shops uh, as well, you see. Uh, And uh, I would say more than 95% of the workforce here uh, are women. Um, Many of them mothers, some of them grandmothers, uh, with responsibilities um, on the home front as well. Uh, So it's 105 days, uh, actually, now. It's uh, a full 15 weeks. Um, And if there's any fairness and if there's any justice, um, they will get at the very least, uh, a decent redundancy uh, package here. Instead, what what they're actually being forced to do is to fight a very hard battle. They're um, uh, saying that they will refuse to allow the stock uh, out of the shops until such time as a decent uh, package is put in place. Uh, And, you know, keeping the stock in the stores means uh, guarding the stock even at night time.
3: Yeah, it's a a 24-7, isn't it, um, picket that they've mounted?
5: There's either pickets 24-7 or there's pickets maybe 16 hours and then uh, a kind of a night watch uh, arranged. um, But, you know... Because the uh, company
3: have gone in to try and get the stock out. There has been attempts.
5: There have been attempts uh, and there have been standoffs and effectively there is a blockade of the stock coming out of the shops. Uh, And that's, um, you know, it's a stalemate. It's a Mexican standoff. Um, And there's even the possibility that the powers that be could try and employ the law of the land against the women uh, by means of of going to courts and getting injunctions.
3: uh, And, do you know, are there any discussions going on, you know, even behind the scenes between the workers and representatives of Debenhams to try to end this stalemate?
5: Debenhams are, are basically, you know, turning a complete deaf ear to the walkers and not making themselves available uh, for any uh, negotiation on this. Their attitude is, it's ball bourse game over, this is a liquidation, the company is bankrupt. Uh, of course, <laughs> uh, while they've liquidated the Irish company, there's 122 stores that have reopened uh, in the UK, including uh, stores uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, and they have uh, taken control of the extremely profitable online business, including the business that comes uh, from here in the Republic of Ireland. Um, so what you have by the company is a real classic asset stripping operation where they put all, they've split the company, they put all the losses in one, they put all the profitable things in the other and they've shut down one and they're, they're trying to keep, they're trying to keep the uh, the other.
3: So you don't believe the case that they just don't have the money to pay the workers?
5: No, I mean, the, the sum of money you would be talking about, for Debenhams to pay uh, four weeks uh, per year of service, which, by the way, was part of an agreement made with the workers back in 2016, um, and that uh, should have a legal standing equal to a term uh, in in a contract of employment, um, it would cost them €27 million. Euro. So I think if they have 122 trading stores uh, in the UK, um, and a very profitable online business 27 million euro uh, is you know it's not it's not beyond the reach of a, of a huge company such as uh, such as uh, Debenham's.
3: okay you raised this uh, solidarity people for profit uh, you 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 raised this motion in the door this week what reaction did you get
5: well up until now, there has been bucket loads of uh, sympathetic noises from the Taoiseach, from the government, uh, from the government parties. Uh, tea and sympathy, as the workers say. The motion was putting it up to them to say, you know, it needs to go beyond this. Uh, you, used, you need to use the uh, state stake in Bank of Ireland as leverage to put pressure on Debenhams to come up with a proper settlement. And failing that, you need to waive the monies that would be going to social protection, revenue, etc., and and put that towards a decent package for the workers. Um, Again, in the debate, we heard a lot of uh, sympathetic noises from government TDs, but in contradiction to that, they put down an amendment to the Solidarity People for Profit motion, and the gist of the amendment was to gut the purpose of the amendment itself. It basically uh, takes out all the demands on the government, all the criticism and all the demands of the government, and leaves in the criticism of Debenhams. and they used uh, their votes in the Dál. They are a majority government uh, to uh, to push that uh, through. So Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and the Greens watered down the motion, uh, took to, took the heat off the government on it, uh, and unfortunately, they were they were assisted by um, um, the regional group of independents who split their votes three each way. And the Labour Party voted the right way, but unfortunately only three of the six Labour Party TDs showed up. So that didn't help either, and the government were able to get their, uh, their position through.
3: OK, and the stalemate continues for the poor old Jebonin's uh, workers. OK, Mick, uh, before we le- let you go, I'm, I'm assuming you were pleased to see the government uh, backing down on what many were saying was a controversial move. We should have seen 19 opposition TDs excluded from the various doll committees.
5: Yeah, uh, I think that uh, it was very clear going into the Dáil, uh yesterday morning that if the government tried to push this through, they were going to fight, face a very serious fight from the likes of ourselves and others who weren't uh, prepared to have our uh, an attempt made to have our voices silenced. Uh, I think the government have had a very ropey uh, first couple of weeks uh, and they didn't want uh, a storm of protest over this, so they backed down on it. But the real test will come next week uh, because they do want to uh, cut speaking time for opposition TDs, particularly opposition TDs, from some of the, uh, the smaller parties, including uh, the left-wing uh, groupings. Uh, that's a more serious issue. And. Um, I think that's a a plan they still have up their sleeve. So watch that one carefully.
3: Okay, we'll wait and see what comes out of that. In the meantime, Mick, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Cork North Central, uh, Doll Deputy Mick Barry, 1850 333 103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your call. Stephanie on the Debenhams workers says, Patricia, just to be aware that Debenhams.ie have been trading all the time online uh, from their Irish uh, site, says uh, Stephanie. And uh, another listener by WhatsApp saying, I can't believe the amount of emails that I get from Debenhams. You're obviously on their uh, mailing list. It always frustrates me when I hear that the Debenhams workers are not being looked after, and yet they are continuing to expect us to buy produce from them online. Online 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862
0: 103
3: 103 Cork today on
0: C103. Call Patricia with your comment.
3: 1850 Now St Vincent de Paul's is a not-for-profit animal organisation here in Cork and this weekend they're holding a number of collections at local little stores looking for donations of pet food. To find out more I'm joined by Susie Jones who is a founder of St Vincent de Paul's at Cork. Good morning to you Susie.
8: Hi Patricia, thanks uh, for having me Well, on. listen, you're very
3: welcome to the programme and I absolutely love the name of your charity. Oh, thank uh, Very you. clever, very <laughs> clever. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about your charity, how long you've been in operation and, and, and why you decided to set it up.
8: Yeah, um, basically we're not a charity, we're just a voluntary organisation. Okay. And we, we set up six years ago... And it just came about by just two of us out for a walk one evening and we were kind of talking about rescue struggling and how we could help them, but we couldn't foster or adopt. And we were kind of saying, we'd love to be able to do something where we could just give them food or sort their vessels. And we kind of were jokingly walking along and next time we said, like St. Vincent de Paul. And then we went, Vincent de Paul. And then it was just boring. <laughs> and it, um, it just erupted. Like, like we basically once a month we do big massive food collections around the car parks of Cork and people come and give us food for cats, dogs, they give us bedding and we just we distribute it then to the rescues. And a few months ago we heard about like some of the homeless people on the street with their pets. Yeah. And we decided we wanted to help those as well. And basically so we help out by dropping food into Cork Penny dinners as well and they distribute it out then to the people that come into them and they feed their pets because lots of people on the street will go without their own food yeah. and they'll give it to their, their pets you know So yeah there's a
3: lot of homeless homeless people and the only friend they have will be a much loved that's right. dog yeah, yeah that's yeah. right
8: and you know it's great that they're still not giving up their pets. they're still holding on to them and trying their best you know to feed them and look after them rather than look after themselves even so we try to help that way by giving them food
3: and the pet rescues that you give food to, they're all, they operate on a shoestring of a budget, don't they?
8: Oh, they do, they do. And with everything going on now, they can't even fundraise, you know, it's um, its hard, like, like, this time of year, they would all be out doing street collections themselves and doing, you know, like, just car boot sales and stuff like that. And sure, they can't do anything like that now, so so we're trying our hardest to help. And, and is it
3: always collections in, in car parks, yet? Yeah.
8: We do, but we also do Um, like, we go into workplaces like we might drop bins into someone's office and they'll do a group collection then between themselves and then we'll distribute it out there and we bring in the dogs and people go crazy for the dogs.
3: <laughs> they these are, these own. are, now no, tell me about the, these are your own dogs, is it?
8: They are, Um, my two are Benny and Ollie, Ollie Benny is the Jack Russell and Ollie is the Chihuahua and Basically, they're known as bin inspectors, so they go <laughs> and they inspect the bins and they, they distribute it out. So so the page is kind of about what they do, but it tends to work, you know, people like relate to dogs because they all have pets. And we actually had another bin inspector, Susie, who recently passed away in May and she was one of the the main... The main dogs of the page, so it's kind of hard without her. But
3: is that your own dog?
8: Uh, no, it's actually my friend Josephine's dog. She's actually one of our volunteers as well, and she's she's been great as well. But um,
3: and d- dare I well. ask, are your own dogs rescue dogs?
8: They are. They are. Um, that Benny doesn't surprise the... me, by the way. <laughs> I know. Well, Benny, Benny came to us thirteen years ago, and. He's now retiring this weekend because he's, he's got a few illnesses and, you know, he's been working hard all his life with us <laughs> and um, Ollie was only supposed to stay for two weeks and he's here four years later.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I've heard similar stories like yeah. that. Yeah.
8: With them, no, they're good because um, they're great little pets, but also they've. You know, people want to come out and meet them and they bring their dogs. And we meet so many people with stories on how they got their dog from a rescue. And, you know, and they all want to help and give back because of the dog, you know, and it's lovely.
3: Well, we've been talking so much uh, of late about dogs being stolen and the heartbreak that it causes when, when a dog is stolen. And somebody, when I mentioned it yesterday, you know, somebody yesterday said, you know, a dog is like a member of the family.
8: Oh, I completely agree. And the people that are stealing these dogs, they're ruthless. They don't care. They don't care that it's a member of your family. You know, they don't see that.
3: But it's they also the reason there's this big demand and there was this big demand during lockdown for people wanted to buy, buy dogs and people have more oh, time at yes. home. And I can understand all of that. Yeah. But go to a rescue. Go. Exactly. There's nothing like the love and the bond between... Her. It's as if the dog knows I have a second chance here.
8: Exactly, and they reward you a million times over. You know, it's just, it's, they need us, you know. <laughs> and right. the desk that we buy, like hopefully puppy mills will eventually close and, you know, we won't need to be worrying about helping rescues eventually because there won't be a need for us or a need for rescues, you know, with all the puppy shops and all that sort
3: of stuff. Okay, so tell us where you're going to be this weekend.
8: Um, from tomorrow, we'll be in Little Mitchell Town. Um, we'll be in Little Gronabraher and Little Macroom from half 11 to 1 pm. We'll be in the car park up by the door, like we're signposted, and we'll have, like, inspectors with us. There'll be all different dogs. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, they'll be going from two hours to Greyhound. Well done. <laughs> and Sunday, then we're all over the city. We're from Ballancolleg to Ballofalan. And it's all on the page as well, all the times
3: and all the different spots that we. Which meet. is there, and your your Facebook page is St Vincent de Paul's. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, are the little stores particularly good for letting you into their car parks, or they why are, is it all little really stores? Good. Yeah.
8: Um, you know, because we kind of felt, but that's where we started initially, first day six years ago, and we've kind of stuck with them, and they've been really good to us as well. So, um, you know, we're just being loyal as well because they're,
3: well done. Well they're and it's, and
8: they do good deals.
3: Dog dog and cat food.
8: Yeah, dog and cat food.
3: Okay. We but, don't
8: accept monetary donations at okay, all. Okay,
3: all right. But if people want to donate other items, I'm thinking of pet treats yeah. and stuff as that, Pet
8: treats, yeah. um like old dog bedding, um like blankets. Uh, we don't accept duvets, um as long as they're all washed as well because it, it's pricey for the rescues to have to wash them as well. Okay. But um, dog clothes, dog collars, you know, even if somebody had a dog or a cat that passed away um, they wanted their legacy to live on, we always pass it on through another rescue dog or cat.
3: Terrific. Lovely idea. So
8: it's nice. So they kind of see their, their dog that passed away is helping another dog that doesn't have anything...
3: Okay, I, I can see why you don't work in an animal rescue yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> you t- I'd, be, I'd be appealing for food for myself. <laughs> uh, listen, you're, you're terrific. Long, long, long may your great work continue. And thank And, you very and much. let's thank everybody in advance who I know will turn thanks. out in, in big numbers to help out. And
8: thank you for having me. Listen, our,
3: our our it. pleasure, our pleasure, and we're always here if you want us to advertise anything for oh, you. Let us thank know. You so much. Look after yourself, Susie. Thanks, bye thanks bye, bye, care, bye, bye bye, Susie bye. Jones of St Vincent de Paul. If you say if you want to check up more, uh, go to their Facebook page. But if you're around any of those stores at the weekend and would like to donate, any. Tins or packets and pouches of, of dog and cat food, uh, please uh, do. Um, and actually, just on the subject of, of stolen dogs, there's a lovely piece in the Examiner uh, today. It's uh, Rhino Rourke is uh, writing about it, and it's to do with a stolen dog being reunited with its uh, owner. It's a dog that ended up coming back here to Cork. It was found in uh, Limerick. And uh, it was seemingly, I don't know whether two men, I think, were stopped by the guy, the, I don't know what they were stopped for for what reason but they had two male Springer Spaniels uh, with them and seemingly the Guardi were not happy they started asking questions about the ownership of the dogs and they, the two men were kind of not kind of given the information they weren't satisfied with the response uh, that they, they were getting but the Guardi noticed that both of these two little dogs were really very nervous and they were cowering in the cage so the Guardi just got a bit suspicious and they decided that they'd seize both the dogs and it turns out one of the dogs uh, well this was in Limerick, had been stolen from in Cork back on the 24th of June and there's a lovely story in the paper of Jake being reunited with his owner Jared in Carrick Navarra and obviously Jared had nearly given up hope of ever finding Jack uh, but getting Jake back but Jake is back and reunited which is fantastic but there is a second Springer Spaniel and there's a picture of it in the paper today it's believed to be about 18 months uh, old um, and they think it may have been the fact that they other dog was stolen in Cork. It's possible that this Springer Spaniel was stolen in Cork as well. Obviously, it isn't microchipped, but they're doing their best to try to get it reunited with its owner. And there's a picture of it in the paper today if you know of anyone who is missing a Springer Spaniel. 1850 333 Bernie and Sadie taking your course text whatsapp 0862 103 103 Now some of your thoughts coming in on topics we've been addressing on the programme uh, a lot of people saying what a wonderful charity uh, Susie Jones with her St Vincent de Pauls, uh, collecting dog food and cat food and other bits and pieces that animals will need and in the main giving them out to animal shelters but also she's been doing some work with Cork Penny Dinners which is uh, terrific for people who find themselves homeless and just helping them to look after their pets by Giving pet food, and there's a number of collection points, as we mentioned, that the that's going to be happening across this weekend tomorrow Saturday and again on Sunday Uh, somebody says hi Patricia the vets should really come on board too and be looking after pets for people for free particularly those that have lost their uh, jobs they can well afford it I don't know if all veterinary practices would agree with you on that but I know the the point that you're trying to make there are many many people struggling at the moment because they've lost their jobs and that's why we keep our fingers crossed that the the July job stimulus package will do what it's intended to do and that uh, people will get back, those who lost their jobs will get back to work. We spoke about the Debenhams workers who sadly have lost their jobs and they're battling. Now, what did, I I said it was over 100 days and McBarry said it's actually 105 days since they have been protesting outside of the stores and it's 24 hour because they're trying to stop the liquidators getting into the Debenhams stores to remove the stock. They're trying to hang on to that and uh, feel they've got some kind of a, leverage if they have the stock in the store to try to get a better redundancy uh, package. Tim and Yall says on the strike slash redundancy package for Debenhams workers. Tim says if there's a precedent already in place for four weeks pay per year and that's in place since 2016 then they should hold that should hold a strong argument on behalf of the Debenhams workers if they go to the Labour Courts on the other hand I don't understand Deputy McBarry's comments that an exception should be made for the Debenhams workers and that the government should get involved as you rightly said would that not set a precedent for all employment and workers past and future they should allow the unions to deal with this issue through the employment courts and that's from Tim in uh, Yall. And then still getting lots and lots of commentary in about masks and the wearing of masks. Eddie in Ovens, thank you Eddie for this, said Kiri's car sales on the Kinsale Road Roundabout, they also supply face masks for their customers. And I wonder will we start, well done to Kiri's, I wonder will we start to see more of that, more businesses in order to, particularly when it becomes mandatory and when you could be fined for not wearing a face mask, will businesses be stepping up, even though that would be an additional cost to businesses if they're supplying masks for all of their uh, customers. Uh, But maybe in the early stage as people get used to and start remembering to always have your mask uh, with you. Hi, Patricia, I totally agree that we should all do our bit regarding the wearing of face masks, but we can't mind ourselves when others won't wear a mask. Remember, we're told to wear masks because they shield us from giving out our droplets so for us, if we have COVID-19 and don't realise we have it, by us wearing a mask, it stops us passing on our infected droplets onto somebody else. But unfortunately, it doesn't stop us from receiving them from somebody who's not wearing a mask. So as usual, says this texter, it's the law abiding, careful people doing all the work while the selfish, ignorant Bees, uh, go around spreading the virus," says uh, an unnamed uh, texter. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will agree with you on that. But let 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 that not stop us, the majority, from wearing our masks. Disappointed to hear Michael contacted us to say he was in a hardware, large hardware st- store, in the city yesterday. He said not one single shopper, our staff member was wearing a mask and that was in a large uh, hardware store. Frank in West Cork on Face Masks says, up until lately, everybody in the healthcare industry were being treated as heroes. But now people are complaining because they have been asked to wear a mask. Frank says the situation that we are still in is incredibly dangerous. The virus will come back stronger than ever. It's exactly what happened during the Spanish flu the last pandemic that we had uh, over 100 years ago now, it started, it went away. And then the second wave of the Spanish flu was the wave that killed so many people. And and you're right, we still are in an incredibly dangerous situation. And if you think back to a text I read out earlier from Michael, one of our listeners, who uh, was talking about America And what has happened in America and how they went from doing reasonably. Well, I wouldn't say they were doing reasonably okay but they when they when they started counting the number of COVID-19 positive cases, it took them 99 days for America to record one million COVID-positive cases. And then in just 15 days, They went from 3 million cases to 4 million cases. So it's absolutely rampant in the States. And it's, you know, if a country like America can't get it under control, you know, we can learn so many lessons from how other countries are dealing with it. And they certainly got it wrong. And they got it wrong by opening up too quickly. That was their big, big problem. They weren't putting social distancing in place. And it's interesting now to see in Parts of America that are getting it under control, New York in in particular, the mandatory wearing of masks and the social distancing and not opening up bars and clubs. That's how they're managing now to get their numbers under control. Um, thank you for your text. William Infomoy says, regarding masks, I think people are very good now about wearing ma- masks, especially in our supermarkets. However, I think in the smaller shops and some local businesses, that's where we're lacking. People are less likely to wear them if they feel the staff are not going to say anything and don't mind the fact that you've entered their store without wearing a mask. People will wear a mask to one small shop because they feel the owner or the staff are very strict about the matter. However, they won't wear one to another store because they feel the staff don't care. I was in one place recently I was in one place recently and the whole mask thing was just a joke by the staff who openly said, no, no, you don't need to wear a mask here, but don't blame us if you get the virus and don't blame us if you get caught. And a kind of a ha-ha attitude to it, which I would be really, really disappointed to hear. And that's from William in uh, Oi. Thank you for that, William. 1850 333 We were talking about crowded beaches and how in the main, I think when people go to to beaches, people are being good about social distancing and giving everybody else space. We have wonderful beaches. We can all share them, but we all just need. We're back again to the personal responsibility. But we also spoke about some of the traffic situation that went on last weekend. I was talking yesterday, I think it was down by Barley Cove. There was an incredible traffic jam. And the frustration of people being stuck on a warm day, being stuck in traffic. It's And if we get warm weather with the amount of people staycationing, I think that's what we can expect uh, throughout the month of August. And hopefully if the month of August is good. So people are just going to have to be patient. They're going to have to pick your times to go to the beach. And if you get there and there's nowhere to park or there's nowhere to socially distance and you turn around and go somewhere else. But listen to this for a parking story. I live on Inshadani, you lucky, lucky thing, can I say. And last Sunday, it was very busy. There was no parking for anyone. Always the way in Inchidani, You need to get down there early. So, to my great surprise, when I got up, there was a car parked in my driveway. It took eight hours before the owners returned to take their car away. I was furious. If they had had the common courtesy to knock on the door and ask, Would you mind if I parked my car there? To be honest, I wouldn't have minded. We're both elderly. Uh, We weren't going anywhere, so it was okay. But they didn't know. The person who parked the car didn't know that. And it also struck me that if we needed any of the emergency services, they would not have been able to access as our entrance had been blocked. Isn't that just the ignorance attached to that? And yes, the stupidity. That listener is right. If there was an accident and what if you needed to get out? I mean, to be stuck in your house and in your property for eight hours because some lovely family decided it's a beautiful day. We'll head to Inchidani and we'll have a nice day on the beach and we'll bring the picnic with us and it'll be great and we'll stay there for a full eight hours. And they obviously had a wonderful day. Not a care in the world. Didn't even, did even enter their head to go back and to see maybe a car space became available to go back and see the people who live in the house whose driveway you blocked with your car, did it even, did you even stop at any stage during the day and wonder, wonder did that family need to get out? I wonder, you know, am I blocking them in completely? It's just, that's beyond, it is beyond ignorance and beyond selfish uh, as well. I can absolutely understand why you were furious. I would love to know, did you have words? Did you speak to the owner of the car? Did the owner of the car in any way try to justify why they decided that it was perfectly okay early on Sunday morning to park their car in your uh, driveway? Just utterly, utterly uh, shameful. Eighteen fifty. But I am envious of the fact that you live on Inchidani, beautiful place to live. Uh, enjoy eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And I'm still getting reaction in to Tony in Cork, who contacted us this morning in a right bit of a. Pa- uh, a a panic. And he actually said he's cracking up. He's really, really upset. A friend of his sent him a package. It's a CD from Switzerland. But the CD is of a band that's of huge sentimental value to Tony and he really wants to get this CD and hasn't arrived and his fearful now it has been lost in the post and he's not getting anywhere with on post and he was looking for advice and anything he could do and where he could go and I'm surprised and in a way I'm not surprised that the number of people are contacting us to say to Tony hang on in there don't worry your package could still arrive because lots of people are talking about delays and it's delays due to the pandemic things are taking much longer to arrive to destinations. I mean, we know couriers are working uh, flat out, but parcels and packages and letters are certainly taking longer. Here's just another example of some that have been sent in to us. Ger says, hi Patricia, I sent a parcel, it wasn't registered, I sent it to Canada on the 12th of May. It usually arrives in about three weeks That would be the norm for it to arrive. So you would have expected it to be arriving first week in June in the normal scheme of things. This time, it took until the 16th of July before it arrived. But it did did arrive safe and sound. Tell Tony, don't throw the towel in yet. His package may yet arrive. Yeah, and I think that's the message that a number of people are, are saying. Tony is convinced that it has been, you know, lost in the post and that it's gone and that it won't, uh, it won't come back, it, it will. And then a listener says, my mother sent this parcel to Mallow and four weeks later it was re- returned to her. Okay. And, okay. and the address on the parcel, this is the sender's address. This is this listener's mother. She wrote, you know, in the sender's box, it says, Auntie Patsy, Passage West Cork. She put nothing else but they. The postman knew who Auntie was. That's incredible. What a postman you have! Now I don't know why the parcel didn't make it to Mallow. I can't see. That's the only picture that this listener has sent in. So I can't see the other. Did she have a proper address? Maybe the address, maybe your mum sending on to a niece or nephew didn't put the correct address on. Was that it? But anyway, it came back to Auntie Patsy in Passage Rest in Cork, and it arrived back safe. A little bit like the package that I spoke about that m- made it to Australia, and actually did make it to Australia, but then ended up coming back to me from Australia to be resent out again. That was frustrating for me because of the cost of the, of the Anyone who's had to send a package to Australia will know it really, really is expensive. And I did mention, but um, thank you for whoever sent that That in. It's incredible that it arrived back to your mother safe and sound. I did mention packages to Australia earlier. Somebody's saying, can you still not send a package to Australia? As far as I know, you can't. Uh, we were trying to send uh, parcels pretty early on in the lockdown. It was for little, the little fella's birthday and we weren't allowed to send it, we didn't know until we turned up at the post office they're not Australia are gone really they're so strict Melbourne is in in complete lockdown at the moment but they're gone really strict on their quarantine and their lockdown and all of that And, and I don't know if it's a it's a health reason or what's the reason but they've stopped taking international packages it could be to do with the fact that they have so much post in the country already with people using couriers and people using you know buying stuff online it could be I, I don't know but as far as I know no you still can't send uh, packages to uh, Australia we'll check with them post and see if there's any date if there's any date that's expected that that's to be uh, lifted 1850 333103 Tony in Mitchistan says Patricia nobody is wearing masks inside in betting shops uh, it is even announced on the screens but the staff are not or it's announced on the screens that people should be wearing a mask but the staff are not telling them but it isn't up to the staff you see that's the problem and that's why when we spoke with RG Data earlier on in the week about it I mean we're waiting for the legislation to go through as to how enforcement is going to be put in place but it's very difficult for staff staff to say to somebody you must wear a mask I've certainly seen signs up in shops saying to people we require you to wear masks and in many cases that's going to be enough but it's not going to be for uh, everyone I think until the legislation goes through and there's the possibility you're going to be fined. That certainly will put manners on people who, for whatever reason, don't want to be wearing uh, masks. Column Bosovan said, Re-cars blocking access. and The lady in Inchidani who couldn't get out of her house for eight hours. Those cars should be clamped. Column says, if it happened to him, I'd leave the air out of the tyres. I'd put a chain around the front wheel. I'd put up a sign on the gate said, Cars parked here will be disabled. Uh, Colm, <laughs> whoever took Colum's call when the girl said, he had lots of ideas of what he would have done to that car had it parked in his driveway and blocked him in uh, for a full eight hours 1850 333 Sadie and Bernie continue to take your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses
2: Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
3: And another reminder that the drive in Bing go at Aragland Community Field is happening this coming uh, Sunday and it's a 3 o'clock start it is open to uh, all. Churchtown Community Council are fundraising to refurbish their community hall. They're continuing asking uh, to ask people to donate a slate for a cost of €20. You can donate online at www.ifundraise.ie forward slash CTS Community Hall. Castletown Bear Development Association, they've got a drive-in bingo happening this evening. It's on at the pier in Castletown Bear. It starts at half past eight. You're asked, please, to arrive early and please have the correct admission fee ready. The jackpot in 41 calls or less will be €1,600. And Ciscane Parish are holding their collection for Cork Penny Dinners this coming Sunday in the local community centre. They're looking for non perishable goods Home Baking and cash will be all gratefully appreciated. Court today on C103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
3: 086 And the item going missing in the post, Joan says, maybe there's not a delay. Could the letter or the package have been posted to the wrong house? Joan knows oh, the reason she's mentioned this. It's happened to her twice. Package went, to, I'm assuming, to a neighbor's house uh, instead. And on the parking in front of somebody's driveway, the listener from Inchidani, who told the story, had been blocked in for eight hours. A texter says, This. The people that parked in the driveway without permission. If they'd parked in my driveway without my permission, I'm telling you, I'd have locked my gate, locking their car in for eight hours, let them sweat it out. It's the bad manners of it all that really gets to me, says this listener. And the lady has got back to us because I was wondering, did she confront the offenders? And she was back on to say, yes, I did. I said to them that had they had the decency to ask me, I wouldn't have minded leaving them parked their car there. I also said, how would they like if their front door was open and I I decided to wander into their house, into their bedroom and went for a little bit of a snooze, got into her bed. It's the same difference. They were very sheepish. They mumbled sorry and they scurried off in haste. <laughs> I'm glad you confronted them. 1850 at uh, 333103. Can I give a quick mention to Leaving Cert students because they have a deadline that is looming on the 27th, which is next week. Leaving Cert, Now, we do know this got announced earlier in the week that the Leaving Cert results are going to be issued to students directly via online the Department of Education have confirmed uh, this. And, and as we know, the results are not going to be released until September the 7th. There has been a bit of controversy over that. And a lot of the students themselves are very been, very disappointed that they've been asked to wait so late. We know what's been going on. They haven't sat a leaving cert. We have the predicted uh, grades, calculated grades. Uh, and now they've been asked to wait probably about two weeks, isn't it? Two weeks later than when they normally come out. Anyway, 7th of September at 9 a.m. Students all over the country will be issued with their results their schools will get them at the very same time. Students will be able to access the results through the calculated grades portal. Now, in normal times, the students would go in and collect the results from their respective secondary schools. But obviously, because of COVID-19 restrictions, they're deciding this is the best way to do it. The results are going to be provided online. However, the Department of Education say schools are still being asked to provide support to students on the day, including enabling them to come into the school, you know, at a scheduled time they're going to have to have time slots available for them should they wish maybe to speak to the principal or the career guidance uh, person maybe just to speak to some of the teacher schools I've been asked to make staff members available by phone for students to to discuss their options following their results and students wishing to appeal a calculated grade will also have one week to do it they'll be able to do it up to the 14th of September we of course have a new education minister she's Norma Foley she's urging students to register, to opt into the calculated grades and you do that via the student portal and that uh, you could do it, it. It opened this week. But the deadline, you must have registered by 4pm on the 27th of July. So there's three days left. It seems more than 52% of Leaving search students and 28% of Leaving Cert applied students. Um, early on in the week, that was the figure I got already opted in. I'm assuming that that number has gone up since. And the Department of Education is also working on updated plans to ensure a smooth running of the CAO offer and acceptance process because the CAO offers that will be on the 11th of September for uh, acceptance on September the 16th and then the second round office will be later on in the month of uh, September. So the dates are all later than normal and it does mean of course for for students going on to third level uh, it means a later start uh, for them uh, as well but they're just important dates. If you have a Leaving Cert student in the house can you just make absolutely sure that they have opted in that's if they're going for the calculated uh, grades, the student portal, it's open now. They need to have that done by 4pm on the 27th of July. And we're always trying to keep you updated on scams and the latest scams that are out there. And these scam artists will come up with new ways all the time. And they always seem to keep up to date with whatever is happening in the world. And what's happening in the world at the moment, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are shopping online. So here's a new one uh, for us all to be uh, uh, aware of and alerted to. It it involves Amazon Prime and householders are being targeted by a new scam which involves phone calls claiming to be from Amazon Prime. Prime. Now what's happening is the recipient of the call is told that you're due a refund from Amazon Prime and of course straight away you think oh God I'm due money back I need to get involved uh, in this and then you're invited to press a number to continue the call and to find out how you can get your refund. The scam has been reported in the United Kingdom. And it's believed to be a ruse by the caller to get the recipient to hand over their bank account details in what is one of those, what's called a phishing uh, scam. Emails have also been received by people in relation to the same scam. Now, it's originated in the United Kingdom but they've now turned their attention to Ireland because they realise a lot of people in Ireland shop with Amazon and a lot of people will have signed up for Amazon Prime, particularly if you're getting a lot of items, people go for Amazon Prime because they can get money off your, your postage. The guy they are urging people not to respond to any correspondence so keep it bring your A whenever you get a phone call from anyone like that from any company even companies that you deal with and Amazon Prime is such a reputable company people might get you know sucked in by it and it is a new scam there's also similar calls they're still doing the rounds from revenue now they've the revenue ones this scam has, has gone has turned its attention to a phone line because the revenue one to date it had been by email and by text message, but now suddenly there's phone calls coming in and Revenue themselves have been aware of a number of individuals who have received phone calls looking for personal information from a person who's saying they're working with Revenue. And I think the fact you hear Revenue and the taxman, that puts the fear of God in people and then that some people might think, oh God, I better get involved here. Now, the calls from Revenue are varying in the way the scam works. For example, the caller can ask somebody for personal information. In some cases, they're asking for bank details and they're telling people that you're due a tax refund and that they want to make the payment to you so they need the details of your bank account. Then there's another scam where they're claiming to be from revenue and they're claiming that you owe the taxman money and that you must pay it and that if you don't pay up today, By paying up today, you'll avoid a criminal case being taken against you. And again, they're saying to you, we need your credit card or your debit card or your bank account uh, details. And obviously, Revenue are saying to us, this person is not from Revenue. Revenue never asks customers to provide personal information via phone calls or text messages. And they say if you receive a phone call purporting to be from Revenue, and if you have any doubts at all, they say contact your own Revenue Office, the number you normally would contact them on. They say if you receive contact demanding payment of tax about which you have any doubt at all, you should contact the Collector General's Division through myinquiries.ie. You can go there, they have a secure online service. And anyone who, And then, of course, anyone who does mistakenly, and unfortunately, we know from our weekly Guard the File, uh, we sadly hear about it, that people do mistakenly provide personal information in response to these types of fraudulent phone calls. If that happens to you, you obviously, and then when you realise what you've done, you need to contact your bank or credit card company immediately. And they also say you need to alert the guy. I think people get very embarrassed if they get stung and get caught out in a scam because... You know, we hear so much about scams, everyone thinks, Oh, that would never happen to me and then suddenly you get you get caught out and people get embarrassed about it. But the guard the year saying to us, Please don't be embarrassed about it, let us know, but contact your bank ASAP. 103. three 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 oh one oh three. We're gonna take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Millow. Cork today on Scene 103.
0: Call Patricia with your comment.
3: 1850 333 103. And just on items in the post, Maria says, uh, Patricia, regarding uh, the um, post and the item being returned to sender uh, that you spoke about that happened to you. Well, similar happened to me a number of years ago. Very annoying and very expensive. When I explained to the postmistress at the time what had happened, she advised me, when you're putting your own address on, as the return address on the package to draw lines through it as the machine that reads the address sometimes reads the sender's address rather than the receiver's address and that's how a package sometimes can go to the person who has sent it uh, rather than to the person that you intended it to go to. I don't know whether it's a myth or not. Not, says Maria, but I've been doing it since and I've never had any issues. That's a good piece of advice. Thank you for that, Maria. OK, time to talk movies. Mark Malone joins us. Good afternoon, Mark. Hi Patricia Now you watched two movies for us this week: "Disappearance at Clifton Hill" and "The Old Guard." Which would you want to start with?
2: Uh, we start with "The Old Guard." The I Old think, Guard, because yeah, it's the biggest of uh, of the two movies. Uh, "Disappearance at Clifton Hall" is actually a small Canadian movie, whilst uh, "The Old Guard" is a is a kind of a big, big holiday uh, Hollywood movie with a big, uh, huge budget. And uh, this one uh, stars Shirley, Charlize Theron, and she is the leader of a group of mercenaries. Now, the thing is, is that uh, I was kind of thinking at first when it came to the review, do I tell you the secret and their secret? And I think uh. I basically have to, I think, because it is, look, it's everywhere. If you know anything about the old guy, if you look at the trailer, if you read about it, you will know that in fact they are immortal. Oh. And, they have, and they have been around for centuries. <laughs> and um, at, at, they even fought in the Crusades. And at one stage, somebody says to... Uh, one of the characters, are you good guys or bad guys? And he said, it depends on the century, you know. But <laughs> well, uh, it's so set it,
3: in modern times.
2: It is set in modern times, yeah. yes. And they have uh, very much kind of uh, modern kind of uh, uh, firepower. And what they do is basically travel the world trying to uh, right the wrongs of, uh, of many people. And, um, and they do so by being able to put themselves in danger constantly because it doesn't really matter. At one stage, uh, for example, they're in a plane. And Charlie Staron is with uh, a a new member of uh, the group and the new member says, well, how, how we have no pilot? How how are we going to survive this? And you know, uh, Charlize Theron kind of just goes, doesn't make any difference? We crash. We walk away. It doesn't make any difference. (laughs) But we do find, though, as they get older, um, um, uh, and we're told Charlize Theron is the oldest of them, uh, they do take longer to to, to repair, uh, and they do become more and more tired, whereas we find that the the new member of uh, the group, for example, will repair herself very much uh, kind of quicker and uh, faster than those. She's played uh, by... Uh, Kiki Lane and uh, she is a Marine and the way in which they find each other is that they dream they have these dreams about each other and so they come together initially of course she's very cautious about joining them because she doesn't know who they are they tell her she, you, you can't go back to your family you have got to come and be with us uh, in the meantime um Harry Melling do you remember Harry Melling you probably don't uh, he was Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter film well, he's the bad guy in this film, and basically he wants to experiment on them because he hears of them and he wants to know about their powers and, uh, and how, uh, they are in fact, um, unable to be killed and, and they are in fact uh, immortal. And so basically he sends, it, the, the film is basically the chase between okay. his men and, and, and uh, they're trying to escape and fight back. So it's, um, it's very long. It's about two hours long. It's, uh, You know what I really liked about it is that, yes, I I, I complain about a lot of action movies just being about action. Here, the best parts of the movie, I think, are actually its quiet moments when the characters sit and talk. And that doesn't happen in a lot of uh, action movies. Here it does. There's a lovely sequence between two of the male characters, which you wouldn't see, I think in a Hollywood film normally. Um, And to see that particular scene, and when you see the film, you'll know what I mean. It's beautifully written and beautifully performed. And I liked all that kind of thing. The action sequences are very, very competent. Uh, It's directed by Gina uh, Prince-Blywood, and she does a very, very good job indeed. I was a bit disappointed with Charlize Theron's performance, though, because I think she decided to kind of play it like a tough guy rather than a tough woman. And yeah. I think that's a pity. You know, if you look at something like uh, Alien and Ripley and the uh, Gurney Weaver, I mean, that was a strong woman. Yeah. And and you took a seriously Here, It's almost like this kind of cliched kind of tough guy kind of. performance. And, and, and I always the think
3: there's there, there, there's nothing like a strong woman on screen.
2: Exactly, and you know, she was great in, say, Mad Max. Again, she was a very strong woman, but here she kind of puts on this kind of tough guy kind of performance, and it's kind of very kind of. It, it's almost. It, it, it's kind of it, it really kind of disappointed me because I wanted more from her. Uh, but the other characters are, are very good. I think it's a 15 3rd so beware of that. It's not one for all the family. There are there is quite a lot of violence in the film. But um, I think it takes its time to get where it wants to go, and I think that's a good thing.
3: Okay. And is this another movie that would have that uh, would have gone to the cinema, but hasn't made it to the cinema?
2: No, this was made for Netflix.
3: Oh, it's Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, it's the old guard. So, market out of ten. I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten. Okay. You sound yeah. like you really enjoyed that. Okay. Now, the, the other one is Disappearance at Clifton Hill. Uh,
2: yes. I mean, the, this um, this is a very interesting little film. It's, and it's, a, it's a completely different film to um, the one I've just reviewed because it's a very, very small film. It's a small Canadian film um, set in Niagara Falls. And stars our old pal uh, Tuppence Middleton. Do you remember Tuppence? N- no we spoke about uh, Tuppins before. Uh, she was in Downton Abbey. Uh, oh, and, uh,
3: I, I do know. I do yeah. know who Tuppins Middleton is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
2: yeah. she was terrific in that and she's very, very good in this as well. She's an English actress but uh, she plays uh, American here even though it's set in Niagara Falls. She grew up there. She grew up in Canada but uh, uh, spent most of her adult life in, uh, in, uh, in America so therefore she's got an American accent and a very, very good American accent. Well done. And when we first meet her uh, she's seven years of age. She's in the forest with her family and she spies this young boy being chased and kidnapped. And because uh, she was seven, she was only a little girl, she never told anybody, but it has affected her all her life. Then as an adult, she's got to go back to Niagara Falls once again, because her mother has passed away. Her mother had a, um, a motel uh, in the town. She also uh, meets up with her sister in there in the process of trying to sell the motel. Once at the same time, all of the visions and all the memories of what happened on that day keep reoccurring in her brain and in her mind. And she sees little kind of little bits of evidence of the um, of the kidnapping uh, wherever she goes. The thing is, of course, it's a small town, and therefore a lot of powerful people don't particularly want her uh, in the town, and they also don't want her snooping because what she decides to do is she decides because she goes to the police, and the police say this all happened twenty years ago. Why are you coming to us now? So they don't really take her seriously. So she decides to um, investigate herself and uh, try and find out what exactly happened to that little boy. Um, as I say, it's a, it's a small little Canadian film. It's almost like a, kind of a a Canadian film noir. Very dark, very moody, got a very odd soundtrack, and, and quite slow. So it won't be to everybody's uh, liking. Uh, I liked it very much indeed. I think it takes, again, like uh, the previous film, it's got a very, very good director in that you know it takes time to build up uh, scene so that, you know, when 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 an impact happens within the scene, you know, it is a surprise. And there's a lot of twists and turns in the film as well. And so it just constantly is is, is it just, it, it entertains you constantly throughout the film and surprises you. Uh, it also has a cameo from David Cronenberg, who's a very, very famous uh, Canadian uh, director. And it was great to see him in the film. And he's very, very good. In fact, they all are. And especially our pal who is absolutely terrific <laughs> in the film. The only thing I didn't like and beware, and I'm, I, I, I will talk about it, is the ending. And that frustrated me, which is why I would give it a lower mark than I would have
3: uh, is it an you know sitting at the end of your seat sort of a stuff is it that kind of a
2: psychological no it's not like thriller? That, no. No. The, no it but it is yeah but, but but i mean it it is very dark and very moody and um and I liked that about it. There are some silly scenes there's one very very silly scene where she finds a man in a cupboard and instead of going to his aid. She basically starts asking questions about, uh, you know, something that happened like 50 years ago. And he's like, what? <laughs> and, and I thought that was very odd and, uh, and very out of character um, in the film. But there are a couple of scenes like that, which is a pity. But in the main, I thought it was really, really entertaining. And uh, I think somebody like you would certainly enjoy
3: it. Okay, so mark it out of 10?
2: I'll give it 7.
3: 7 out of 10. And where is, is that streaming? Where is that available? Uh,
2: I Well, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it Amazon. on... Okay. Uh, yeah, that's okay. where I downloaded it from.
3: Yeah. And it's uh, Disappearance at uh, Clifton Hill. Somebody says, would you ask Mark, what is happening with the movie industry in the States? Are they making any movies at the moment?
2: They, they well, actually they restarted Jurassic Park and, uh, and did a lot of social distancing, and a lot of uh, prep work for it. But it, it turned out the two members of the crew did get coronavirus. So they had to stop. And so that has stopped. I know Tom Cruise has restarted again on Mission Impossible, but um, it's it's not easy. But they are making movies again, are and they? there are there there are about twenty huge movies just just lying in wait for us to watch uh, in the next couple of months. When you know, once uh, I know, cinemas have reopened again, and um, and once they, I know, they're showing kind of all movies at the moment. But uh, you know, you've got know, films like Ulan on the way, and you've got uh, you've got the new James Bond film, and so on. And uh, so there's lots to look forward to.
3: But those movies, as you said, that they're they're holding back they're not going to want to release them until they know that they can get packed cinemas to put bums on seats, surely.
2: Exactly, exactly. And yeah. the new Christopher Nolan film, it's called Tenet, I think. I mean, that's a very good example because he just keeps putting that back all the time. Uh, they they they, they, you know, they give a release date, but then they go, no, we're not ready. And I don't think people are ready to go back into the cinemas again. So they keep putting it back and keep putting it back. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, and you can't blame them, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. And hard to make a movie with social distancing, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think I read somewhere that in French cinema, uh, Kissing is, uh, you know, back on, uh, you know, the scripts again. And, uh, so they're allowed to kiss, but, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's so, so difficult, yeah. I yeah, mean, I'll I assume they'll have to do all their prep work, as I say, with, the, I, you know, to make sure and do all their testing first before they go, uh, onto, uh, the, the, the movie set.
3: Yeah, I know some TV programs. I'm trying to think of which program it was. They were talking about going back into production, but they were saying that they would have to, everyone would have to isolate for 14 days, uh, and then they'd start the filming, but they'd all have to remain together. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, and that can't be very easy yeah, to have a whole crew and have, uh, you know, because the films are made out of sequence and people come and go all the time and, uh, and actors only appear to do what, you know, they have to do. But of course, that can't be the case now, as you say. They've got to, for 14 days for two weeks, everybody has basically got to be the same. They've got to be constantly tested. And uh, and yeah, I mean, that, and it's expensive to do that.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a, a changed world in which we're living. Okay, listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you next Friday then. Thanks for that, that's uh, Mark Malone our movie reviewer. What was the name of the first movie? The first movie was called The Old Guard it's on Netflix and then the Canadian one that uh, Mark spoke about is Disappearance at, at Clifton Hill I'm posting, hi Patricia, I sent my mother a Mother's Day card to Tipperary my mother still hasn't received it <laughs> oh, do we take it that that one is missing in the post and Jane in Malla was on to say she spotted council workers cutting back hedges today uh, she's a bit disappointed because she felt they weren't that overgrown and she feels that they should have waited until the birds had left. 1850 103. Thanks to Jim emailing us on Tony's parcel that's gone missing from Switzerland. Jim says, as far as I know, all tracking of lost mail must be instigated from the sender's end. That's what positive told me whenever I've had occasion to uh, inquire. So... Uh, Tony needs to get on to his friend who sent it from uh, Switzerland and get them to investigate. Okay, that's why I leave you for today. Thanks to Sadie and Bernie. Talk to you Monday. Stay safe. A lot can happen in
1: three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1 dot com.
7: Planning for your next trip.